at the beginning of every year, for a few years now, um, and for a few years to come, Lord willing, we return to Proverbs. Uh, this is a time in our annual rhythm as Americans when we tend to look at our lives and think about practical things we'd like to change. People make New Year's resolutions. You may have made some New Year's resolutions and may have already given up on some New Year's revolution, resolutions. Um, but as Christians, we want to be guided by God's Word about our practical everyday living. And there's no better place to turn than Proverbs for that. And so this is sort of our first real sermon from Proverbs beyond, except for the introduction to Proverbs we did two weeks ago. Proverbs chapter 3, we're going to read verses 27 through 35. We're really going to mainly focus on verses 31 and 32, but we'll read all those verses. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 through 35. Let's read it together, and then we'll pray. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again, tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason. When he has done you no harm, do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Let's pray together. Father, we have read and heard your word, and now we're going to linger over these verses together, and I ask that you would accomplish your purposes in us through your word, that you would give us soft, receptive hearts, that you would give us clear minds that can understand, enlighten our minds to understand, and not just understand, but be transformed. Lord, I ask that you would please help me to serve your people well and not to distract from just the pure essence of your word. Uh, Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Please fill us all with your Holy Spirit to truly receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much for praying with me. Uh, Proverbs is very practical. This passage is very practical. And I want, it, I want you to receive it in a very practical, real-life, helpful way. So to begin, I want you to get two groups of people in your mind. The first group of people, and you might even want to write down some names that may come to mind so, so we can really, be, uh, really apply this to our lives. The first group of people I want you to bring to mind are just the people that you deal with in your life. Just the people that you deal with in a given day, in a regular week, a regular month. Who are the people that you interact with? Might be people in your own household, your immediate family. Maybe your coworkers come to mind or your classmates for the younger ones who are in school. Friends, extended family, acquaintances 
strangers in the supermarket, your church family, just all the people that you engage with in your life, bring them to mind. Now, we know as Christians who have been in church that how we relate to people is very, very important to God. It's very important to him. When Jesus was asked, what is the number one commandment? He gave two. He said, the number one commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the whole law and prophets. Everything hinges on these two. So how we relate to people, how well we love people, is extremely important to God. But here we see in Proverbs that the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, or love your neighbor as yourself, it's not just good, but it's also wise. And so this morning we're going to look at it from a perspective of wisdom. It's wise to treat people well the people that you deal with in your day-to-day life. Let's just read verses 27 through 30 again. God has just given us some very straightforward, simple advice on how to deal with people here. So let's just read these first three verses, four verses together. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. So here's just one very straightforward, simple counsel from God. If it's in your power to do good for someone, do it. Don't withhold it. Verse 29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. That's pretty pretty clear and obvious. Verse 30, do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. So here's just some good simple advice that we can apply right away to the people in our lives. Do good for them when we can. Don't try to do bad things to them. And don't be quarrelsome. Don't just be getting in arguments all the time with people. Okay, that's pretty simple. Now, let's move on to the second group of people that I'd like for you to bring to mind. And this is where we're going to dwell. Bring to mind the people who influence you. Bring to mind the people who influence how you deal with others. So maybe the people that you admire, the people that you seek to emulate, maybe people who have an influence on you that you're not even always aware of. You know how adults will say things to their children and they'll hear their father or their mother's voice come out of their own mouths? Sometimes we're influenced by people in how we treat others and we don't even realize it. So just think for a moment, who are your influencers? Who influences how you deal with other people? Some of these may come from the same list we mentioned a minute ago, from your own household, your coworkers, your family, friends, people you admired as a child. Um, It might be people that aren't even real. It might be fictional characters that you've seen in the movies or read about in books. Or it might be heroes from history. Just bring to mind the people that you have tended to throughout your lifetime, tried to be like. Now, it's very important how we treat people. We know that. What we see here in the next verses, verse 31 and on, is it's also very important who we allow to influence us in how we treat people. And that's not a category I think that we think about as often, but it's important. So we're going to think about it this morning. Look with me at verse 31. This is sort of the core verse for us this morning. Do not envy a man of violence. And do not choose any of his ways. 
Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Now, the big idea, the sermon in a sentence this morning, if you're really sleepy and you're struggling to keep up here, if you remember this, you will have remembered the big idea from this morning. God's instruction to us, his wisdom for us this morning is, do not emulate people who mistreat others. Do not aspire to be like people who mistreat others. Do not emulate people who mistreat others. Now, verse 31 says, do not envy a man of violence. Now, when you hear the word violence, you're probably the same as me. And what I think of is physical violence, people who beat people up. And honestly, I don't even know anybody like that. Maybe you guys know some people who are physically violent. But aside from on the news and in the movies and stuff, I'm not around a lot of physically violent people. What's meant by this, though, taken in context of the whole of Proverbs and how this word is used, and in the immediate context, is something broader than that, though. Basically, it's saying, do not envy a man who mistreats others. Do not envy a man who wrongs others, harms others, does bad to others. Now, I want to paint a broader portrait of this man that we're not to envy, because it's important that we understand who he is so we can make sure we're not emulating him. So consider this sort of like a police sketch artist sketch of this type of person that we're meant to not emulate. And it comes from this passage we've been reading. These are some characteristics you might find in a violent man in terms of what Proverbs means. Number one, he might be withholding. Remember verses 27 and 28? Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due and so forth. This type of person who mistreats others may do it in as subtle a way as not doing the good that he could do, but purposefully withholding good from people, having something that somebody needs and purposefully deciding, I'm not going to help. Number two, a violent man might be malicious. Verse 29, do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. So maybe he purposefully does not do the good that he could do, Maybe he purposefully does harmful things to people. A third characteristic, contentiousness. Look at verse 30 again. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Contentiousness is just a quarrelsome nature, always getting in arguments, always getting in fights. We know these people who are always telling stories about how this person wronged me, and we, I told him what was what, and I went to this store, and you wouldn't believe how they treated me. So I told the manager, I called the manager over. People who are just always getting into friction with people, not realizing that they are the common denominator. Another characteristic, deviousness. Look in verse 32. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord. This means crookedness. What he says isn't necessarily what he means. What he does isn't always so straightforward. There's always some hidden ulterior motive, some agenda that you're not quite clear on. You're not quite sure ever what he's up to. Another possible characteristic, wickedness. In verse 33, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. This is just moral corruption. Somebody who can go about his life making morally corrupt decisions and be okay with it and go to sleep at night and his conscience not bother him. Another possible characteristic, scornfulness from verse 34. Toward the scorners, God is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. 
Scorn is basically contempt. It's looking down on the people around you, mocking what other people take seriously, making people feel small. And another, a final characteristic that you may find in the violent man is just foolishness. From verse 35, the wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. This passage is really painting a portrait of this one type of person. We don't want to be like these types of people. We don't want to be like a man of violence, a man who purposely mistreats others. Do not envy such a man or choose any of his ways. Now, you might be thinking, well, why would I? Of course I'm not going to envy a person like this. Of course I'm not going to impersonate someone like this. Of course I'm not going to make them my role model. We will be tempted to, though. Just based on God's word, just the fact that he gave us this passage, I can assure you, you will be tempted to emulate people like this in your life. And it'll come in subtle ways. It'll never seem that obvious, but you will be tempted to emulate people like this. For one, and probably the main reason, because wicked ways tend to work in a wicked world for a little while. And so for a while, they will seem to prosper. And for a while, their lifestyle actually can look good. I want to read to you Psalm 73. Just a little bit of it. You can just listen or you can flip over there if you want. We're going to read Psalm 73, 2 through 14. This kind of describes how a godly person even can fall into the trap of envying and emulating someone like I just described. Psalm 73, beginning at verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. In other words, they look healthy. They look like they're doing well. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten opposition. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people, God's people, turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Here the psalmist is giving voice to something that maybe we feel or think more in our subconscious, that we don't always say out loud. But sometimes it can seem like the people who are ignoring God's words are having a pretty good life. And we can start to, in subtle ways, envy them. And then we can start to, in subtle ways, adopt their ways of living, thinking that maybe our life could be a little better too. We can say that withholding malicious person over there, I have to be honest, is just really successful, has a great job, has a great house, has a great car, seems to be really enjoying life. And here I am trying to be all generous I'm barely getting by. I, mean, I even lost my job. Or 
that contentious person, their Facebook feed is amazing. They seem to always have time to go to the gym. They always look good. They, they're going on awesome vacations. And here I am trying to be all peaceable, like the Bible teaches, and I never get to go anywhere. The only thing I have to post on Facebook is another picture of my cat. That devious, wicked, scornful person. You know, I don't want to be just like them, but I would like to have fun like them. They seem to just have fun. They laugh a lot more than I do. They, get, they can go do what they want to do. They're not all tied up like I feel. I'm trying to be all upright. But I think I want that. I think I want what they have. I think I want their lifestyle. So maybe I can still maintain my Christianity. I can go to church, but maybe I can just adopt some of their ways. Maybe I can just choose some of their ways so my house can look like their house or my body can look like their body or my bank account can look like their bank account or my social life can look like their social life. It's subtle how it sneaks in, and we will be tempted. It could be the cool kid in class if you're in class. It could be the successful colleague at work. It could be someone in your family, some older sibling maybe. Or it could be a total fictitious person. It could be some TV show you watch. And into your worldview gets this idea like Inception style. If you've seen that movie, I shouldn't mention movies. Nobody's ever seen the movies I mentioned. The idea can get into your mind that, well, this person lives that way and they get these results. And so I'll start to live like that. And perhaps get those same results. And before we know it, we're envying a man of violence. We're choosing some of his ways. And we didn't even know we were doing it. Do not emulate people who mistreat others. And do not choose any of their ways. That's what the verse says. If you look at verse 31, it says, Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. Not just the ways that are obviously bad. Don't choose any of his ways. Don't try to be like him at all in any way. Because all of his ways are contaminated by this violence that Proverbs describes. Don't choose any of his ways. You know, I know this kid is a bully, but I like the way he talks. He's funny. So I'm not going to bully, but I just want to kind of talk like him. I know this celebrity does evil things that I would never do. I would never do the things a celebrity does, but I just kind of want to look like they look. I just kind of like to live a little bit more like they live. I know this is a fictional character I was just reading about in this book. I know, I know he's crooked and all that, but I do like these aspects of his character. I just choose some of these ways. God's wisdom says, no, just don't emulate at all anything that you see in this type of person. And then he goes on to explain why in verses 32 through 35. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord. That means he morally repulses the Lord. Immorally disgusting to the Lord. The devious person is an abomination to the Lord. But the upright are in his confidence. They're brought near into intimate counsel and relationship. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. 
The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. Why can't we emulate some parts of these types of people? Because it's an abomination to the Lord. Now, I have an illustration for this, and I really went back and forth as to whether I should use it because it's disgusting, but it needs to be disgusting for us to understand this. So, I didn't clear this with Elias, but he told me a story from school the other day wherein a child threw up, I believe in the gym, and much of it fell upon another kid's Pokemon cards. Am I right? Okay. These, ki- these guys love Pokemon cards, but a kid threw up all over them. Now, they had sleeves on, okay? To me, that doesn't matter. Someone threw up on these Pokemon cards. They are contaminated. Even if they had sleeves on, some of, that, some of those juices got in there. And so the whole stack is contaminated. I'm not going to choose any of those Pokemon cards. Still. When God looks at the behaviors that I described, he looks at it with the same revulsion that you would look at that puddle of vomit on the gym floor. No part of you wants to go near to that. No part of you wants to deal with that. No part of you wants to pick little things out of that. And God doesn't want anything to do with that. It's repugnant. It's disgusting to him. You know, we, as Christians, we're being transformed to view the world the way God does over time. And a lot of the things that just look so glamorous in the world, that look so appealing, so good, are as disgusting to God as that puddle of vomit. And as you grow as a Christian, you'll start to see your own tastes change, your own desires change, and align more with his. And that's what this passage is trying to do for us. We don't want to be at all involved with anything that is an abomination to the Lord. We don't want to get as close to it as we can without getting touched by it. We want to stay as far away from it as we can. And instead, the promise is for the upright, those who are not devious and crooked, those who are upright and straightforward, are in his confidence. And that word means, as I mentioned before, intimate counsel with him. We're drawn close to him. The upright he draws near to him, enters into relationship with them. That's why we don't want to emulate people who mistreat others. Now, what's our response supposed to be to this? I think probably above all, there's many practical applications to this that I trust the Holy Spirit to be working out in your hearts, whatever going on in your season of life that the Lord wants to do through this passage. But the one that I want to land on is that we need to acknowledge our own failures here. We can't sit in here and pretend that we're the upright ones, we're the righteous ones, we're the humble ones, we're the wise ones, and say, well, I'm not going to go near those people out there who are devious, wicked, scornful, foolish. I certainly would never be any of those things. We have to be honest and let Scripture accurately be a mirror for us here. We need to let the Lord search our own hearts here, reveal to us ways in which we have been crooked in the way we've dealt with people, reveal to us ways in which we have done moral wrong and tried to justify it or okay it. 
ways in which we've been scornful, making people feel small, maybe through gossip or backbiting or even to their face. Ways in which we've been foolish and ignored God's ways. Because there's really only one man who can claim to have perfectly succeeded here. And that man is Jesus Christ. And that's why we're not here like in some sort of a morality gym where we come here to work out and become more moral. We're here to be forgiven and saved because we've all failed here tragically. The Bible says of Jesus in 1 Corinthians one twenty four that he is both the power of God and he is the wisdom of God. He is the embodiment of this. He is the fulfillment of this. 1 Corinthians one thirty says he became to us wisdom from God. Colossians 2, 2-3 says, In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So ultimately what this is meant to do, it is meant to program our thinking and how we see the world and how we live, but beyond that it's meant to point us toward Jesus Christ and the grace that we find in him there. And if you have felt condemned at all as we've read this, because you know you embody some of these characteristics at least sometimes, There is now, therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So we go to him for forgiveness. We go to him for grace, and we go to him to be transformed. He is the only one who can claim to have been perfectly generous, good, peaceable, upright, righteous, humble, and wise. And the awesome promise of Christianity is, in him not only are we forgiven for our failures here, but we're promised that God is conforming us to be more like this. I'm going to read you Romans 8, 29. It says, For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. If you are a Christian, you were foreknown and predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. So for you, this is part of that process of becoming more like Jesus. For you, ultimately, he's the one that you emulate. He's the one that you aspire to be like. And he's the only one that can bring us from being an abomination to God to being in God's confidence. He's the only one who can bring us from having God's curse upon us to God's blessing. He's the only one who can take us from being scorned by God to being favored by God. He's the only one who can take us from disgrace to honor. So we close looking to Jesus Christ. And when we're tempted to emulate a man of violence in any way, now we'll see it for what it is, won't we? We've been warned. We've been instructed by God's word. Now we'll see it when this tendency arises in us and we'll say in our hearts, that's not who I am. God has gone through great lengths so that I could be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's who I am. And we can lean into that, becoming who we are in Christ. We know who we are. We don't need to adjust our life to be more like anybody's but Jesus Christ. Don't emulate people who mistreat people. Let's emulate Jesus Christ instead. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the book of Proverbs. It's just so practical and helpful and down-to-earth, and I'm so glad you gave it to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to live in response to what we've heard today. Lord, help us to repent where we need to repent, confess where we need to confess. Lord, help us to discard role models where we need to discard role models.
Or help us to lean into our new identity in Jesus Christ. Become more like him. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.